Uh, the Bible says that it is not by might, nor by, but by my spirit. Let's say it together. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. God is supernatural. God is spirit. He is not natural. He has the power to influence the natural. He has the power to influence the forces that feel that they own the culture in which we live. God can interrupt any family, any nation, any person, any time he chooses. He can use, though he is supernatural, he can use the natural to his advantage. But let me also say to you, he can use the natural to a disadvantage if he chooses. So we understand if we're going to flow in God's economy, in God's culture, we have to understand that he is a supernatural. We have to understand that every day in our lives he desires to impact us in our spirit man to live for him, to exalt him, to lift him up. It is stated out of the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, that scripture that you know that if God's people will humble and seek God and live a spiritually disciplined life by turning from their wicked or evil way, that God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God who is Jehovah Rapha, will forgive them and heal their land. There is nothing that God cannot do. If God wanted to resolve the crisis in North Korea, he could do that in a breath. If God wanted to resolve the differences in our culture here in America, he could do that. He has placed in the midst of darkness in the midst of craziness this thing that we call the church it is not by accident it is the bride of Christ it has authority it is a beautiful picture in which God says I've chosen to manifest myself in the church and through the church which happens to be you 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 and you if you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord in my life, I've come to the realization that I get more miracles in my life than I'm aware of. I'm aware of a lot of things that God does that I call that miraculous. Someone may say that's a God thing, and sure, there are a lot of God things, but, but there are also a lot of things that we blame God for that God didn't have anything to do with, nothing to do with whatsoever. We understand that in our story tonight and believing for the miraculous, I'm going to reach back and share some stories with you, and it is the, the example here of the illustration in Mark, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12 of the individual, he's paralyzed. I used a little bit of that story just a few weeks ago. He's paralyzed. His buddies pick up his mat, take him, tear the roof off, and lower him down, and Jesus says, you know, you're your sins have been forgiven and you are healed. 
and the man gets up off the mat and he walks away. That's, that's the whole shebang, the whole shebang in the text. Miracles. In, um, in days gone by, I, I have witnessed in my reading and in my research, um, I have witnessed individuals who were absolutely committed to prayer. Individuals that some of you have been hanging out for a while that we knew of people that we used to use the term, and it's a biblical term, taking hold of the horns of the altar. And there are individuals in years gone by, and I pray even today, that there are those individuals who really know how to say, I believe prayer is the answer to God. We are in a mess in our culture today. The church is guilty. The church is guilty of not pressing the altar. The church is guilty of not believing in some of the things that we need to press in on because our culture is a mess. We try to get along, and unfortunately, culture has a big impact on us. It impacts us through the news media and the spins. It impacts us in the newspaper and all that goes on with that. But we have something that is in our hearts that is the spirit and the anointing of God. And God says, listen, I really do want to work through you. I really do want you to believe that anything is possible. I want you to be careful that you don't give credit to something or someone else but it's all, all God. It's God in everything that we do. And God's Word gives us encouragement and said, if you're going to make it, you're going to need some miracles. You're going to need to understand what is a miracle. It's when it cannot be done by nature. It's not by might or power, and you can't do it. Then it says, if that's going to happen, it's going to take a supernatural hand of God to control nature, to influence nature, or to do something that nature has nothing about. And the thing that we understand that we sometimes forget, God doesn't need a thing to make something happen. He is a creator. The devil has never created one thing. Never created one thing. He emulates God. He gives the phony and the fake, but listen carefully, the devil has never created one thing. All creation comes from God. How do you feel about that? The creator. So when I pray, God, I have a bad liver and I need healing, for example, and it's diseased and you, you have that and you can pray God can heal. Here's what God can do. God can restore in a moment that liver so that there is no liver disease and you can have a brand new liver in your body. How many believe that? That's God. That's how God works. And we're seeing major miracles in many places overseas in our churches where people are coming not by the thousands, they're coming by the hundreds of thousands. 
And God is revealing like he did in Jesus' day, performing the miracles that created wonder in their minds and amazement and caused their minds that were captured by demonic forces, has revealed his power and his truth. Now, none of us deserve a miracle, not nothing deserving of that. But nonetheless, God gives that to us. And when you just correlate a person who is excited about God, that's passionate about God, who's hungering after the things of God, when that person gets together in the presence of a God who delights to minister and meet the need of that person, there is nothing but blessing that is going to come. Do you believe that? I asked my grandson, Dylan, today, turned 13. I shared that with you. I said, well, Dylan, now that you're 13 years of age, there was a time that uh, you said you wanted to be a preacher. You wanted to be a man of God. You want to preach the Word. I said, how's that coming? He said, Granddad, that's not my passion. Well, okay. That's good to find out before you engage. Because I know a lot of preachers who engaged, but it wasn't their passion, you know, well, what is your passion today? Well, you know, before that, I, was, I wanted to be a law enforcement officer. I said, but you're 13 now. You're getting ready to shave. What, tell, tell, me, tell me what you're doing now. I'm going to be in the space industry. You know, I wanna, I'm going to be a pilot. I want to fly aer, aeronautics. That's where I'm at now. I said, what'd your brother get you for your birthday? That's Ben, who's at the University of Florida. He said, he got me the neatest gift in all the world. I said, what's that? And he said, and granddaddy spent some money on it. Well, that's good. Ben gave up money. Ben usually saves money. Ben gave up money. He sure did. What did he do? He, he, he bought me a real sophisticated uh, lock pick set. What? <laughs> What in the world do you need with something to learn how to pick locks? You know, I mean, first you're not going to be a man of God. Now you're going to be a thief. You're going to pick locks. Is that, is that what you're going to do? An aeronautical engineer? The, the point is he couldn't, he couldn't kind of get it. And those smart young man, he, he couldn't quite get it all together. And I'm, I'm, thinking, uh, I'm thinking to myself, far too many times we don't get it all together when it comes to how big and how wonderful God. Let me try this on for size. This is an article I read out of, true article out of the Pentecostal Evangel. It's our news periodic that we have in our movement of a individual telling about, of course, her parents. They're from the Philippines, and during World War II, the Japanese had captured the Philippines, and many of the soldiers were abusing and killing many of the Filipinos. This lady's mom and dad were pastors, and she said, I saw with my own eyes they would take the little babies and their saber on the end of their rifle, throw the babies up, and catch them with a saber on the end of their rifle. Just to make a show, they would get drunk and do that. They'd walk by and slice a head off of our family but she said, my family, though humble, we had mats that we slept on. We knew how to pray. My mother 
knew how to pray. My father prayed. As a result, the first time that they came and got my father and took him out to interrogate, being a pastor, they said he will not come back, that we can forget ever seeing him. She said, after a while, my dad came back, beaten and bruised, but he came back. My mom was praying the whole time. He said they came the second time and picked my dad up and abused him and beat him up again. And my mom prayed. She taught us to pray. And my dad came home a second time. The third time, she said, the same officer came by picked my dad up and said he came back twice but he will not come back this time and she said i believe in prayer he will come back again and if you don't believe in prayer now get out of my house strong she said they took my dad she said during the night we could hear people scream when they would torture those of us Many of my relatives and our neighbors that they would just torture, burn, and anything that was just almost unimaginable to us. We didn't have a church building. We had one another, and our hope was found in prayer. My mother put us to bed on our mats, and she began to pray she said, we awakened, so I understand, at around 4 o'clock a.m. because my mother awakened us and said, come gather together and let's pray. We had a one-room mat house, straw house. My mother had a, three, I had a baby sister, a three-month-old baby. She put in the center and we circled around. There are five of us. My mother prayed and cried out to God. And calling on God, it was four. We did that for a couple of hours. And then we heard the footsteps. We began to scream, and my mother wrapped her arms around us and said, Don't worry, we're going to be okay. She said, In a moment, my mother said, That's not the footsteps of the soldier, that's the footsteps of your father. And in a moment, he opened the thatched door and said, I'm okay. But the light was on, and we saw the white shirt that he had was splattered with blood and mucus. What happened? He said, they lined 10 of us up and went one by one. This is a true story. The soldier would come and ask one to step forward and take the sword and take the head. That's not foreign today because that's what ISIS is doing right now. And he got to me, the last one. And the soldier had the sword back to take my head off. And the officer scream stop don't do that stop before he could swing forward he turned to look and stopped and that officer ran to me tackled me jerked me up and ran me to the gate and said now get out of here and go home (coughs) 
He said, something must have been happening. She said, at 4 a.m., I ramped the prayers up with our kids and put them in a circle. That was the time that you were about to get attacked, apparently. We don't know what happened or what that officer saw, but we knew something happened to cause him to scream, to stop and not have my father's head taken off. She writes that as a true story. And when you read that without faith, you're thinking, sure. Last week I talked about it's not luck. I asked myself because I can tell you that spiritually speaking, a lot of heads are being taken off. A lot of families are being crushed. A lot of disunity, a lot of sin, a lot of lie, all those deceptions that the enemy does very, very, very well. But we believe that when we pray, that when we have a mission to pray, that these kind of things can happen. And because God uses nature itself that he can control, but if there's no substance for him, he can create anything he chooses just by speaking. So we have to understand, okay, the hard things come through fasting and through going to McDonald's. No, the hard things come by fasting and through what? Through prayer. Now here's what I know some of you in this room have a major, major thing in your heart or your life. You'd say, God, I need you to help me put that in perspective and conquer that and bring to pass a miracle. In our story that I read in Mark 2, verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus, this crippled man, paralyzed man, they made the opening in the roof above Jesus. A lot of ways that you can pre that, preach that. I've preached it in many ways. But everything that we get from God is absolutely free. No charge. Absolutely free. James 1.4 says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. What is he saying? That is great expectation. Great expectations. And unfortunately today, because of the influence of darkness, and even in the church, we have lowered our expectations. We've lowered our ability to go into the miraculous. We, we've lowered those things to minuscule things instead of believing that our God rules and reigns and can do anything if you believe. And this is what he says. He said, you'll lack nothing if you believe and not doubt. That is expectation. The apostles lived in an area that they needed miracles to wake up and get going every day. He shares, if you ask or pray and not waver, not want anything the requirement is this it is absolute perseverance 
And so when the four men came with this paralyzed man and simply brought him to Jesus, they could not get in. The crowd was gathered, and it was a great difficult situation. They're just friends. Most miracles to take place will demand wading through a lot of areas. Time is one of those. Weariness, wading through discouragement, wading through unbelief, wading through uncontrolled circumstances, wading through good intentions that's gone bad, wading through I've prayed and I've sought God, and nothing has happened. But the beauty is this, until it happens, we don't give up. We just keep pressing in. We just drill deeper, and when there is a birth of a miracle in our heart with the right motive, it becomes our expectation, and when that expectation's of the great things of God, then we persevere, and we persevere because it is persistence through difficulty. Nothing that you and I value, nothing that you and I really value, do we value it unless it costs us something. The things that we don't value mostly, it didn't cost us anything. We take it for granted. And this is what God is saying. Go ye in all the world. Value that. I'm I'm giving you anointing. Value that. Value the place and the privilege and the position that you have in the family of God. Amazing. Persevere the persistence. I like this. A discouraged minister, he once dreamed that he was standing on top of a great granite rock, trying to break it with a pickaxe. And he just worked at it and worked at it and worked at it. Monday morning, I saw some bushes along the fence line there. And, uh, and it was a, a neighbor that had bushes right on, right next to our fence line. And all those bushes had gone through the, the fence about this far. You couldn't even see this white PVC fence that we have there. And I looked at it Saturday, and it was raining. I thought Monday morning, I'm going to get with that. I'm going to tackle that, buddy. I'm not going to have those sticking through there. I mean, my fence is about this far from my property line. I knew where it's at because I had it surveyed about two years ago. Know right where it's at. I've got it staked. I went in the garage and I got the shears and I'm out there. And this is one of those bushes that you see so many bushes you can't find the stalk. You don't, you don't know where to cut. Where is it at? It's so thick. And I'm thinking, this is not going to take me all morning. These bushes along here, I'm going to get it, get it done. I cut and cut and cut. I'd push back. Where did that stalk go? I got it, and then I remembered. I bought a brand-new chainsaw about a year and a half ago. I've never even opened it up. Enough of this. I got that thing out of the box. I read the Chinese manual, the Spanish manual. How to put gas in it. I was hot, sweaty, miserable, past time to be finished. I grabbed a gas can. It was, it had, I don't know, it had oil and gas mixed. I thought it's good enough for my blower. 
I'll put some in here. And I pulled 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 and I pulled. And you know when you get to pulling, you think, buddy, now I'm going to pull this thing out of the socket. You are going to work. I put it on the ground. I pull it with my foot on it. I put it on a bench. I put my other foot on it. I pull it. My hands got hurt. The whole works. Then I just took the gas and poured it out right out on the driveway. And Sharon found out. Then I went and got more gas, came back, filled it up, got the right mixture, and after a while it started. Smoked, but it started. You cannot imagine the feeling that I had when I walked around that fence. And I put that chainsaw on the ground, and I went to cutting bushes right and left in Jesus' name. I thought, I'm, I'm just taking these babies down. Did I worry about the property line? Not a chance. I cut it. I thought, if I go over there, that's just fine. And I cut them and finally got them all down, and then I had to have somebody pick them up. You know, so I, I had to do that. But the point is, I started at 7.30. It was 11.30. When I got through, I should never have taken that long, ever, ever. But listen, you ever have that deal in you that says, I'm going to get that done, and, and let me see how I want to say this. I don't know how to say it without getting in trouble, so I'm just going to leave it. You just stick with it. Anybody like that? How many know what it means to stick with something except the diet? I mean, we're all good at that. Stuck with it. Here's, here it is. He said, I'm standing with a pickaxe. This is what he's saying. I had a dream. I'm with a pickaxe, and I'm hitting this granite, and there's not, it's not even chipping off. He decides to quit. Throws that pickaxe down, and all of a sudden, in his dream... An angel appeared. Could have been the Lord. It's his story. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm quitting. Well, what did I call you to do? You call me to take the pickaxe and to pick this rock. Did I tell you to quit? No. But I haven't gotten any results. And the angel said, your job was to pick. Now pick the axe up again and keep picking. It's not your job to get results. It's your job to stay on target, to do your job, to pick and not put the pickaxe down. No matter whether you get results or not, it's my job. Pick it up again. And here's what the story, he said, in my dream, I picked it up and I raised it high with all the new, renewed interest in doing what I'm supposed to do and came down and that rock broke into hundreds of pieces. You see, if Satan knows that God can break our challenges into a hundred pieces, he often will work in our intellect and in our natural self to make us quit right before we see the result of God's work in and through us. Some of you may whisper a prayer tonight that will be the prayer that will create a miracle in someone or some situation that you've been praying for for a long time. 
but it will not happen if you fail to be persistent. Miracles manifest the grace of God. Why would God give me a miracle or you? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Why is any miracle given? It's God's grace and God's mercy. Why do you deserve what you have? What have you done to deserve it? What have I done? Nothing. Nothing. Are there people better off than you are? Sure. But there's a whole lot of people worse off than we are. But you see, God never called on me to manage someone else's orchard. He called on me to manage my orchard. He called on me to manage where I'm planted. He called on me to manage what I'm supposed to be doing. And he says, I will give you grace and it will come to pass because that's an extension of God. And Jesus immediately responded to the needs of this man, not because of his faith, not because he had a relationship with him, because he did, not because of his need, not because of the man's goodness, not because the man prayed the right prayer, not because he was there at the right time. It was God's unmerited grace that God says, I'm about to touch you, bring to pass something in your life. But it'll be a result of my grace, Matthew 7, 11. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? And receiving a miracle when you pray is an extension of God's grace. No act or deed can bring it to pass. It's the justification of God. I got thousands and thousands of prayers that have not been answered. But because God doesn't answer my prayers, does it cause me to have a desire to not want to pray again? To not want to give up? You just don't give up. Romans 3.23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is there. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Why? Because the grace is the reception table that is spread as we pierce the barriers through prayer that God will share his supernatural intervention. That has happened to me over and over and over again. And miracles that you absolutely need to bring to pass that there's no way it's going to happen except God. So God... I'm going to drill down, and I'm going to pray and believe. I mean pray and believe. On Sunday night, April 1912, an American woman here in the States was weary and couldn't sleep because she had an oppressive feeling. I remember people, and there's some of you here, that when you can't sleep at night, that's a perfect opportunity to say, God, there must be somebody's mailbox. I need to be filling up with prayer. If I can't sleep, I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe. I may not know what to pray for. I just know this. If I'm not going to sleep, neither is the devil. So I'm going to, I'm going to knock on the gates of heaven. But in that 1912, on that Sunday night, she couldn't sleep. She had a burden, and the burden kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Her husband was on his way home on the Titanic. She had no idea, an unsinkable ship. She prayed. Hours went by. She still could not get the peace. 
She kept on praying in agony until 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning when a peace swept over her. That was an unbelievable peace. You see, her husband was Colonel Gracie. You can Google him, tell the story. He wrote probably the most accurate book of what really happened on the Titanic in which one of the last individuals to hit the water, letting down the lifeboats that were available to let down. And finally, when the ship was finally sinking, he jumped, but the world to bring it under was there and took him with it. And he said, I remember when I hit the water, was conscious, of course. It was cold, and I swam and swam and swam, holding my breath until finally it was over and my head bobbed above water. And right there beside me was a capsized lifeboat that others were holding on to that I grabbed hold of, and I was rescued. Undeservedly, didn't think I would make it. But I did not make it because of my ability to swim. I made it because at the same time, and he documents this, at the same time, my wife's burden lifted without comparing notes was the same time my head bobbed above water. He is able. He is able. There's only one liar, and he's the father of all lies. Lucifer, the devil himself, but there is one bastion of truth, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he left, and when he left, he said, I give you the power, greater power than that which I have. You can turn the stones to bed. You can call the dead. You can if you pray and you believe. So what expectation do you have because it reveals God's power Jesus said, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. He got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. It amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like that. And I believe, have you ever said about the culture in which I've never seen anything like it? The people in Houston are said, we haven't seen anything like it, 50-plus inches of rain. All that rainfall. Some person said, well, just as the judgment of God. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Don't even go there. Why? Because we're in an element of grace. When God's judgment comes, it'll be more than 50 inches of rain, my friend. Believe me. It's the grace of God that that many did make it. It meant that Jesus had the power to break the strongholds of Satan on this man's body and cleanse him. And we have that power with great expectations that we need to understand that there are some things that just cannot be fixed. 
that can only be fixed through the power of us waiting in and trusting and sticking with it and believing God instead of my people called by my name will pray and seek my face, pray and seek my face, turn from their casual, wicked way. Jehovah will, in fact, come and heal their land. So God is saying, give that expectation to God in this sanctuary and in this community in the name of Jesus Christ. Tomorrow night, three Kiwanis clubs will come together and will present to the Dream Center to raise money for what? For the vision that was cast in the Dream Center, my friend. And that is a major miracle that will take place tomorrow night. A major miracle. We're not just feeding groceries, giving groceries and clothing and those things. We're doing all kind of things. But in everything we do, we tell them about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We're going to talk and take an offering Sunday morning for disaster relief in Houston. Our funds are going to go to Convoy of Hope. That's our organization already sent 10 trailer loads of stuff, got 19 more waiting to find a position to do it. But everybody that receives a cup of water or a blanket or diapers, every single one of them are talked to about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. We're not interested in just giving you diapers. We want to tell you where the diapers came from. It came from people of faith who believe God, and we want to tell you that Jesus Christ loves you, my friend. Put your hands together and help me do something tonight. It says they were amazed, every one of them, praising God, saying, we have never seen anything like that. May that day come back, and may it begin in me. I have never seen anything like that. Amen? Amen? How many of you believe Simon Crowell can get saved? Sure. He sure needs it. So we, aren't you judging? Nah. I'm just telling you, you know the fruit. God can do anything. Every time I see him, I'm just letting you know. I whisper it, God, get a hold of that boy. Get a hold of him. Get a, get a hold of him. Chase him down. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Stand to your feet, please, or on your feet if you don't mind. Spirit of the living God, would you birth in us? A great expectation would you birth in us that minuscule things are well minuscule things God are minuscule things but with the power that we have with the resource that we have with the privilege that we have why not have great expectation why not believe you for the great things why not believe you for the hard things why not believe you for those things father God that really, that we really, really desire. God, if we try that on for size, and we're not praying for great expectations to, to benefit us. We want your kingdom. They were all amazed when they saw that man get up and walk away. Wow, amazing. That's what we want to see. I want to see some family members that hadn't been to church in forever who've turned their back on the Lord and are not living right. I want to see them come back home, Jesus. 
I want to see some kids who've gotten warped in the culture that we have today that says everything is acceptable. I want you to turn the light on in their heart, God, right where you are, and let them see, well, I've been duped and running down the wrong road. I need to get back home in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I want you to touch some employer tonight who's been mean and nasty to somebody in our church, God. I, I pray in the name of the Lord, you soften that person's heart. You make a way where there is no way, and God, by the time you get through with that employer, he'll be humbled. She'll be humbled by the grace of God. So either online or in this room, God, if there are those that love you, need you, I pray that we'll come back with great expectations. So would you repeat this prayer, everyone in the room, everybody? Would you do that? Dear Jesus, forgive me. I have sinned. I've made a mistake, and I need your help. I'm coming clean, and I'm believing in the name of Jesus. You're going to redeem me. You're going to cleanse me. You're going to renew me. You're going to make me whole by the authority of Almighty God. You're going to take something that's used and abused, and you're going to make it new by by the grace of God. I claim that in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together and let's just thank God, shall we? Thank God. If you need prayer, we're going to worship a few minutes, but if you need prayer, you're welcome to come. Sunday night is going to be a time of praise, worship, and prayer. That service, I know it's Labor Day weekend. Somebody say, well, ain't, you know, people travel. I don't care who travels. I know where I'm going to be. Amen? Amen? Two or three gathered together, and there's a whole lot more. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that prayed in here. Why shouldn't we expect God to do some miracles? Amen? Come on now, church, help me out. Why shouldn't we expect that? By the grace of God. But if you need prayer, you come right now, and then we're going to give the benediction. And then if you want to hang out as they continue to worship, you are welcome to do that. You come on now, my friend. Let us anoint you with oil. Here we go.